Today, more than any other time in history, we are connected to one another. Long gone are the days in which distance limits our human connection. We can communicate and connect to people virtually anywhere and at any time we desire. In a world full of being connected, how can we be so disconnected from the Holy Spirit? Join us today as we learn how to live life vertical. You know that we're in a sermon series. We're going vertical, right? It's important that we understand something that before we go horizontal, we ought to go vertical. And to go vertical means to be with God. And hopefully over the last three or four weeks, you've learned something about how to, to go vertical with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, keeping him in front of you. Understanding that the Holy Spirit has adopted us as sons and daughters of the Most High God. He continues to reinforce that in us. What Jesus did on the cross um, brings us into right relationship with God. So we can go to Him boldly. We can go to Him as a child, not as a slave. And we can rejoice in that. So I hope you've enjoyed what we've talked about over the last um, three, four weeks. Remember, vertical is you and God, horizontal, you and others, but both are important. But vertical is the most important. The first week, we talked about the promise of the Holy Spirit and to embrace the Holy Spirit. Second week, we talked about how the Holy Spirit uh, really does reinforce our adoption. And it teaches us how to embrace the Father. And then last week, we talked about becoming a person of prayer, which is going to bring us a little bit further today. We're going to keep talking about prayer. We're going to talk about the power of prayer, the power of prayer. So we're going to start here with Palm Sunday. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Luke chapter 19. And we're going to look at something here, and then I'm going to start to explain kind of what all's taking place. All right, so Luke chapter 19. Verse 37 says this, And as he was now approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now, we're going to skip on down here to verse 43. Jesus is speaking, okay? Now, he's approached Jerusalem, and as he looks over Jerusalem, it says that he wept because he knows something. That the people have seen the signs and miracles and wonders, but they still don't understand who is before them. That Christ has truly, God has truly come to earth. So he is the answer to their prayers. So as the Jews have been going vertically for years and years and years upon years, they don't recognize him. And he knows that the very ones that are crying uh, Hosanna in the highest will be the very ones that within a week will be saying crucify him. You see, this is the importance of staying um, vertical, church, because the influence that comes from everything that's horizontal is very strong, and it can influence our opinion. It can change our direction if we're not careful. And so in verse 43, he says, For the day shall come, this is Jesus speaking, shall come upon you when your enemies will throw up a bank before you and surround you and hem you in on every side and will level you to the ground and your children within you, and they will not... Leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Guys, those are tough words. Jesus settled. We tend to say, oh, God is love. 
I say it all the time. Anything less than love is not God. And that's true. But he's, he's throwing out this, this word of caution. You've got to keep your eyes fixed on what God is doing. You have to go vertical. And many of you think you are going vertical through these traditions or through the palm branches and all these other things that you do. But the truth is, there's a great warning in this because you've missed your time of visitation. That's a scary, scary warning to me. It was a warning to the Jews. It was a warning that, look, here I am standing before you, the one that you've prayed for, the one that you looked for, and you don't even recognize me. Here's why. Because the traditions of man have overshadowed what God is doing, what I am doing. So as you look at this, the time of our visitation is very important. Now, here's the cool thing. Post the cross, the time of visitation is any time, all the time, every time. Did you get that? The time of visitation is, is really always, and this is what I love about this, so we don't have an excuse to miss it. The Holy Spirit is within us. He's around us. He incorporates us into what God is doing. What we have to do is listen. Watch. <coughs> You've probably heard, give a man a fish and you will feed him for a day. Right? Teach a man to fish and what? You will feed him for a lifetime. What about this one? You may not have heard this one. Give a man a fish and you will feed him for a day. Give a man religion and you will watch him starve to death as he prays. <laughs> That's a tough one. Because what they're missing is, is the main ingredient, which is God. We've got traditions of men. We go horizontal before we go vertically. Now, here's what I'm saying. Not all traditions. Bad, no. Not at all. The ones that point us to God and what He's doing and being in relationship and that, that's not what I'm after. But what I'm saying is we can do so many things through repetition. We can, do, we can be influenced so many times by all the things that are going on around us that we can miss truly a time of visitation. We can offer people religion. I used to hear this all the time. The Baptist... Yeah, here we go. Everybody's like, uh-oh, I came from the Baptist. You better be careful. My, my grandmother's Baptist. Well, just wait a minute. The Baptist will preach and will encourage and will have every head bowed and every eye closed, and they will have 100 salvations at any possible time in any revival. They're incredible preachers. And then when they come forward and they receive salvation, this is a joke, all right? They'll leave them there starving, hungry, blind, and naked, but they're saved. The Methodist. You're not out of it, right? It's my history. The Methodist will have them come forward, right? And, and, and they will clothe them. They will bathe them. They will feed them. They will help them see again, but never tell them why they did it. See, there's a... Big difference oftentimes. And, and, and here's, here's the point I'm trying to make is, look, give a man religion and you will watch him starve to death as he prays because really religion isn't what we're after. God is who we're after. And God is after us. See, when you pray, are you trying to get God to move? I mean, think on some of these. Are we trying to talk God into something when we pray? Does God finally answer our prayers if we bother him enough? Do we earn answers to our prayers through our hard work and our diligence? If you believe that and you think you pray enough about something and that prayer doesn't get answered, 
at least not in the way that you think it should, then it leaves a door open to do what? To get angry with God. You ever been angry with God because you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and you said, well, I know that persistent widow. She prayed for justice. Well, that's what it was about, justice. God brings justice, by the way. He is. He, he, he's, he, he is the answer to vengeance, is what Scripture says. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Right? So here's the deal. It leaves an, a door open to get mad at God. Well, I prayed, but God didn't do it. Prayed over a year, still didn't happen. Right? So what I'm going to show you today will help you understand what prayer actually does and why it's so important for us to pray through our everyday life. Because in prayer is power. In prayer is power. So here we go. God has deposited his power within us. Luke chapter 24, starting with verse 49, he says this, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So he's encouraging them. Hey, this is after the resurrection, which we're going to talk about next week. After the resurrection, he says, hey, you guys hold up. I'm going to send one now, the one that's been promised to you. This living water is coming. All right, so stay there until you're empowered by him. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all of Judea and Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. According to Romans 8, we have the same power that raised Christ from the dead, and that power is in the Holy Spirit. And he has chosen not in buildings to, to actually house himself, right? He's chosen us. We are the temple now of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> so, most of us know Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works. But it works where? Within us. So here we go. You got to pay attention here. The power that works within us. Since God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, then why doesn't he do it, church? Possibly this is the reason. Because it's the power that's at work within where? Us. And how oftentimes do we really put ourselves in situations where that power can really be used? I'm, I'm a lot like you in many ways. I like to be safe and secure. I like having a roof over my head, and I like to be able to eat, right? And so sometimes we keep ourselves in these safety nets and, and where the power, we don't even know how strong it, he truly is within us. See, because the power could be restricted just by us and our willingness, just as we heard Lyle say earlier, to say yes. Years ago when I was real frustrated with life, it hasn't happened a lot to me, but there was a time when um, I was recently out of the military. I came back, and, and the military had my pay mi mixed up and everything else, and things were just going from bad to worse. I sold my, my motorcycle. <laughs> just a terrible day in the life of Curtis House. And the next thing I had to sell was my pickup. And I sold my pickup trying to pay for the next semester of school, and I realized I'm not going to be able to make it here until they get this stuff all worked out and you got to know this is the government we're dealing with so it wasn't worked out in two days this is months and so I'm going man I, I don't know really what I'm going to do so I moved into HUD housing I was able to pay for one more semester of school and then was just praying that things would work out but things didn't look like they were going to and I was looking at getting a full-time job again and having to lay out of school again and 
And I was in what was known as a window. I had 18 months to complete my school according to the military before I went back. And things were just a mess. And I got a phone call from the church I worked in in Arizona, or worked with in Arizona. And they called me and said, hey, well, um, since you're out and everything, we just want to offer you a package. We'll pay for three classes a semester at the University of Arizona if you'll come back and be our youth director. And I was like, Whew, thank you, Jesus. I didn't want to come back to the windy Texas panhandling. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I was getting ready to say yes, and I remember just, just how I, I thought, well, that's just got to be the answer to my prayer. I still didn't know how I was going to work it out with the military, but I, uh, they weren't working with me anyway. They weren't paying me, and I was like, oh, well, you know. So at least I'll get out of HUD housing. And I remember my mom and dad came, and, and they've never made it a point um, post the age of 18 to really uh, speak things into my life in that way. But they came, and they knew that I was contemplating on whether or not I was going to move back to Arizona. And they sat down, and, and, and Mom said, Well, Curtis, you know, you do whatever the Lord tells you to do. I know you're praying over it, but we, we can see that you're upset. We know that um, you're struggling right now. Uh, I got you something. And she had a little bag there, and I opened that bag. and It's a little plaque, and she said, I want you to put this where you see it every day. And it just has two words, Yes, Lord. That's it. Yes, Lord. She said, if you'll do that, you'll be okay. So I'm, we're going to leave you with that, and we're going to go to Amarillo and continue with our garage selling. All right? <laughs> so, um, so they just kind of put me on their stop for that day. And, and here's the thing. I started doing that. I started looking at that because a lot of times my mouth will say no, but my heart at least will say yes. And if I can keep my heart in a position of saying yes, then that's what it does is it releases the power of God. You know, it was interesting to me how God began to to line everything up for me after that day and after that point in my life. It's so important because God is able. And the cool thing about God is, is that God has incorporated us into his work <coughs> for what he has to do. This is why Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples. God could do it like that. But he allows us fulfillment through participating with him in his kingdom. I think it's awesome. You know, every child loves it when they are allowed to participate in the family at will. When they are encouraged, when they are strengthened. And sometimes they have to grow up into that. Sometimes they're not ready for, for this to happen yet in their life. And only the mom and dad and, and the parents really know this. And this is how God works with us. He, he works within us to strengthen us so that we can become very powerful in Him and what He's doing. How much of God's exceedingly abundant power are you distributing out through your prayers? Because the truth is, when we look at according to the power that works within us, right, the abundant power that works within us, that word abundantly actually means to distribute it out. So it comes within us and it gives us the ability and the opportunity to distribute it as well. Jeremiah 29 or 27.5 says this, I've made the earth, the man, and the beast that are on the ground by my great power and my outstretched arms, or my outstretched arm, I've given it to whom it seemed proper to me. I love this because this is what he says, hey, I gave it to you for those who would call upon the name of the Lord, for those who would seek him vertically. I have given them dominion over the earth. Have you ever had to take dominion over the earth? There was a time I had a horse I had to take dominion over. I just had to believe in this scripture right here and say, I'm, I, I mean, slapping it and kicking it and fighting it and, 
I had a, a mare one time that me and another guy, he was going to show me. Uh, she just, her name was Dolly Annie. And she was extremely hard-headed. As a matter of fact, uh, after working with her for a year, Steve Friskip told me with all the time that I spent working on her, had I had a good horse, I would have a great horse. But instead, I didn't even have a good horse. Some are just knuckleheads, and she was one of them. But I decided one day that I was going to tie her down. Because you're supposed to tie them down, and you know there's this thing, you rub on them, and you, they all of a sudden just turn into a puppy dog. And I had a guy help me. And we lifted the leg of that horse and tied it to the saddle horn and ran it around and limped it around and everything else. And um, this horse, uh, we pulled, jerked, kept it going, had, I mean, all but fainted on us, barely keeping it alive, and she would not lay down. She wasn't going to do it. We couldn't pull her over. And the guy that was working with me said, dude, I'm done, man. I, she's killing me. I've never seen one like this. Matter of fact, she cut her eye one time in the trailer, and I took her to the vet to have it sewed up. And the vet said he had to give her more of that serum than he's ever given a horse in his life to calm it down. Like seven shots before. He said it was all but just killing her to sew her eye up. said, you got a crazy one there. I said, I know. So I had to take dominion. I started praying over that horse. And I never will forget, I showed up at Steve Friscoff's one day and had her in the back of the trailer. And the trailer was shaking like this, you know. And it, it was literally out of roping. And he's like, you did not bring that mare here, did you? She had already bit his welder. She had torn his round pin down. I could just go at the name one thing after another. And I said, yeah, I brought her. And he said, are you going to rope off her today? And I said, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to rope off of her. He's like, well, I'm going to tell you, I, I told you she wasn't allowed back on my property. <laughs> and I said, I'm going to pay my entry fee just like everybody else. Now get out of the way. And I got back to the end of the box. And I tell you what, I roped the first one that came out of there and tied that calf down, and he came back, and, and Steve said this. He said, I would have bet my entire farm life savings, my children, that she would never do that. And I said, oh, yeah, man, she's just a great egg. And then before I got her into the trailer, she threw another fit and was pitching and biting and kicking, you know, once I had her in the pen. So here's the deal. There were several times I had to just lay my hands on that horse and take dominion, having to believe that God really gave me power. He gave me authority over the things of this earth. She helped increase my faith. <laughs> Charles Spurgeon said it this way. He said, prayer moves the arm that moves the world. Prayer moves the arm that moves the world because God has allowed us to participate in life with Him. God has decided to cooperate with us. He, de he decided to give the earth dominion and its dominion to us. Our prayers and the power in us have a lot to do with what happens to, in this earth. God has deposited himself, church, within us. So how much of him are we going to and willing to let out? So oftentimes I realize that my prayers have become fleshly. My thoughts, my earthly wisdom, which is extremely limited, is it, it, it begins to come out. It begins to manifest more than God does. And that's my problem. That's not God's problem. That's my fault. That's not God's fault. You see, we must release it through prayer. Jesus said, this is the way it would look. You remember the woman at the well? He said, hey, you had five husbands and the one that you're now living with is not your husband. She said, oh, I perceive that you're a prophet. Well, good job. That's a pretty good call, right? But then he says, I'm going to give you, right? You're going to learn that there's this, there's this wellspring 
of life. It's living water. It's living water. It goes up and down. It's continually moving. And he does the same thing in John chapter 7, verse 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast. Now here we've got a feast that's going on. There are several different feasts that happen in, through their tradition. Jesus is there. I want you to see this. He's there with the Jews in this celebration. It's the last day of this great feast. Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. He had not gone to the cross yet and been resurrected, is what that means. Now, I love this scripture because at this particular feast, there were eight days that the Jews would celebrate during this time. And it was a huge celebration. They would come from all of the surrounding areas. And Jesus stands up on the seventh day, basically. The eighth day. Right in there somewhere. It says the last day. So this is the eighth day. He stands up, right? And he says, hey, let me tell you something. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, this was a huge statement that Jesus was making because many of the Jews did at that time and who would be at that feast wouldn't even know who Jesus was. It was a feast that lasted for eight days. For seven days, the Jewish people would pray for living waters from heaven. That's what they were praying for. God, give us living waters from heaven. For seven days, they would quote Zechariah 14, 8, that out of Jerusalem would flow waters from heaven, rivers of living water. They would take some water and pour it on a rock to symbolize the living water from God that came out of the rock when Moses spoke to it. Do you remember that? In the Old Testament, in the deliverance, and the, they were thirsty, the Israelites were thirsty, and so Moses, got, you know, God says, hey, hit that rock over there, and he's, he's angry, and he slaps it three times, and the rock breaks open, and living water comes out of it. Well, they were celebrating that. And on the eighth day, they would pray for rain. Now, this is interesting because on the eighth day, they would pray for this rain. And there was somewhat of an expectation for it to happen soon. But here's why. They were entering into the monsoon season. They were entering into the rainy season. There's already a problem with that. Because they were praying for rain knowing that there was a great percentage chance that it was going to happen right and so there wasn't a whole lot of faith in this little ceremony let's get together for eight days let's throw down let's pray for god let's remember what moses did and none of that's wrong other than they forgot vertically who did it and so it became a tradition and jesus stands up and he says hey listen believe in me and i'll give you living water living water that will flow through you and into this world see he's the water that came out of the rock he is the rock and jesus is saying if you come to me i'll deposit living water inside of you and you can release the power of god that i'm going to deposit in you you can give it away it never runs dry right see is jesus ever going to die on the cross again absolutely not it's done it is finished it's done He's empowered us now. He's commissioned us with a great commission. Go into the all, all the world and make disciples. 
He even said, greater things than these shall you see done. Wow, that we have this incredible power within us. You see, how come not everyone is saved? We might ask the question. How come not everyone's healed? How come there's still nakedness in this world? Why are people and children in starvation today? You've probably asked those questions. Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, here's the thing. Maybe it's not, why are all these things happening? Or God, why are you allowing all these things to to happen? Why are we allowing it? I mean, I can tell you just from the figures of the amount of money that was taken into the American church in the year 2000, which has been 15 years ago, there was enough money taken into the church to feed the world. Would have been very easy to feed the world, to clothe the naked, right? But here's the truth. You know how much of that money was given out? 1.8%. Most of it just stayed inside. It's there. We've got to ask ourselves some tough questions. The power of God resides in us. Are we truly going vertical to tap in to that power to see things as God sees them? You know, Frederick Douglass, I don't know if you've ever read about Frederick Douglass. If you get a chance, read about him. He was an escaped slave, an incredible man. Um, Went through so much in his life. But this is what he said. He said, I prayed for 20 years, but received no answer until I prayed with my legs. Some of you didn't get it. That means he had to do something, church. He had to use what God had given him, and he'd given him some legs that could move fast, and they needed to many times over. But he said, I prayed for 20 years, but received no answer until I prayed with my legs, until I tapped into the power that God had given me. Sometimes it is a supernatural physical power. The answer is there. See, In Ephesians 1, 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. See, we pray for heaven to come to earth because we participate in both. I preached a service for uh, my grandmother by marriage and talked about the kingdom of God as righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. When we know that we're participating in that, when we know that we're praying for heaven to come, to this earth we're participating in both the kingdom here and if you will the kingdom there i believe we make them too far apart and think well one day well what's wrong with today you see when we look at palm sunday that's what he said he said hey they're missing they're missing it today's the day luke 11 1 and 2 now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, it's not up to God to move, it's up to us to pray. To see things the way God sees them. And as I said last week, there's really two types of prayer. There's the one where you go and station yourself at a rampart, where you have this set time where you're going to sit down with the Lord and pray over things and pray about things and ask God to show you some things, to, to, to go to the rampart, <coughs> as Habakkuk did, to go to that rampart and to see things as, as though um, 
you were stationed there and meeting with God. But then there's the prayer that's the ongoing prayer that's every day, that's seeing it as life unfolds. And to me, that's oftentimes where the power is released, where it's truly dispersed. I know I've had people very angry with me. I've been nervous about the meeting that we have set, set up because I know that I have a tendency sometimes to become angry. And I don't like that part about me. And when I think I'm right, I feel like I'm right. And I'll defend it, you know. And, and sometimes I'm wrong. And I hate those times when that happens. But the truth is, I, I, I have that, that bone in me that I pray that God would, would help me do something with because I don't like to, to be that person. And so I have these meetings set up, and, and before they come in, you know, I've stationed myself at the rampart that morning, but the cool thing is, I know that if they are a believer and I'm a believer, that when we get together, more than likely it's going to come out. And I even have an opportunity oftentimes to start saying prayers under my breath. I've had people confront me in, in the hallway, very angry. And I've had the opportunity that as they're talking, that I can be, start praying in my spirit, where I can have a calm spirit, where I can impart that, if you will, where that will flow through me through a kind word, because the word of God says what? A kind word turns back wrath. It's the power that's given in me. And this is what happens when I, when I do lash out sometimes. I know I've not tapped in to the power that's within me. We all have an opportunity to participate in the kingdom of God. It's really our responsibility. God's done His. The Scripture says, even though while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, that proves His love for us. In other words, He did it because He loved us. We were still running out there sinning. But He loved us. And He made a way. And now He encourages us to be empowered through Him. It's up to us to release the power of God that is in us. Jesus taught His disciples to pray, Heaven, come to earth. Heaven gets released on earth as it flows through us. Heaven is the living water that flows from us. Prayer is the vehicle that brings heaven to earth. We have that power. We have that ability. It amazes me. Um, I've had people that have come to me and said, well, Curtis, you know, I, I really want to be able to pray. I, you talk about baptism in the spirits. You talk about people who pray in tongues and who can go behind the, go get in their closet and can pray for an hour or two hours. I want that. I want the ability to do that. I, what do I need? And oftentimes my answer is just, let it out. What do you mean, what do you need? Station yourself on the rampart. You go in there and start praying. Let God do what He's going to do, however He does that. But give Him an opportunity to work and, and empower you to do and become something far greater than our humanity could ever think about attaining. I, I think back on... I said this in, in the service on Friday because I was really thinking years ago when I went over to North Africa, Wade was really into superheroes. And so I wrote a devotional for every night while I was gone. And um, for, for Allison and Wade to, to read it, but it dealt with superheroes, superheroes and scripture and everything and, and all that. 
And then I called Wade a superhero, you know, and Allison said that really rang true. He really liked that. Now, this is years and years ago. Now, here's the reason I'm sharing that, because there's a difference between heroes and superheroes, church. There are heroes out there that do amazing things in their flesh. They're amazing. I've known people who have pulled people out of fire and got burned themselves. I've known people who have saved lives at the sake of their own life. And then I've known superheroes who had a supernatural strength within them to do things that no natural person could ever do. I knew a man one time that I don't know how many times he was shot. How many times? But his main goal was to get the kids, the children in Iraq, water. That's all he was after. I don't know who of us would die for something like that. Such a noble, noble cause. Right? And there's plenty of other stories that I could share about. But the truth is, are we truly taking on the commission that God has commissioned us with? Do we feel His empowerment? Do we pray for rain when we know it's going to rain? Or do we pray for rain when it's not? Remember the drought a couple of years ago? Many of us remember that drought. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed some more. And the awesome thing is that I do know some farms were lost. I do know some people had to change their occupations, and that's very difficult for any of us to hear. But I also know that God has given us strength to endure. And it's not our own strength. It's through His strength. Because circumstances are always going to change in our life because life is circumstantial. But God is not. Why would we not anchor ourselves there? The anchor holds. So what do you need to pray about today? Ask yourself that question. What do you need to pray about today? What do you want to pray about today? Where do you want to see God release His power through you? Or maybe the question is, Lord, show me where it needs to be released. Because I want to see things as You do. I want to participate in Your kingdom. I want to be all the things that You've called me to be and to become. Church, when the church sees how powerful we truly are, this world will be one. We won't be worried about ISIS. We're not going to be worried about the Islam and all the other religions of the world because we're going to know the amount of power that's within us to transform a world for Jesus Christ. So go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and know this, that He is with you always, even to the end of the age.